0: From Noble Robot on East Tennepin Avenue in strategic Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Dimitri Smartza, aka Special Bread, to discuss creating a game that is a spiritual successor. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start.
1: I believe you are our first pseudonymous, if that's the right way to pronounce that, uh, guest.
2: Yes. Great. So- <laughs> Good to be first.
1: <laughs> so the, fir- the first question is, and we talked to you a little bit about where we started, is uh, uh, where did the name come from and why?
2: Well, see the thing is, is it's. To me it's pretty important that people don't take me seriously because actually that just makes everything a lot more exciting and interesting, right? Who knows where you'll end up if you make if you take life as a joke, right? So special Fred, that's actually like a politically correct version of one of my previous names, right? Ah. But essentially Right, you, you are a professional bad. after all. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad, right? But essentially, um, you Know if you transliterate this into Russian, it, it kind of like sounds like stupid raving person as well, so it gets <laughs> right. even better, right? There's <laughs> depth to this stuff, um, you know. And, Blares, and the yeah. previous one, like it had exotic in it, but special, like you can't call somebody special, so you're forcing somebody to call me red, and they just can't do it, right? It's just <laughs> great, that's good, I like it. So, this
1: is a really interesting topic, yeah, because. Uh, the game you're working on, um, it it serves a community that's specifically a community from another game. And that's maybe yeah. the, that's probably the simplest way to describe it, I would imagine. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about where, um, what sort of origins of the game and your involvement with it? And that sort of philosophy, just a tease as to, as to what, you know, uh, how it uh, um, carries forward the mission of the original title.
2: Yeah, so the game I'm working on is Sanctuary Shattered Sun, right? And that's a spiritual successor to, well, I didn't say it's a spiritual successor, but someone else might, ah. <laughs> Well someone else did, actually. Um,
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, a big somebody. Um, I don't actually know if this is uh, released or not, but somebody big actually called it that. Anyway, oh, and it's a spiritual okay. successor to Supreme Commander. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a game that was released in 2007 and it had like lots of copies and stuff. And essentially a bunch of our team were veterans of that community. And uh, we just figured that, you know what, it's been long enough. We need a new game. Nobody's making a new game. Let's just do it ourselves. Right. 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 And uh, essentially here we are. So what I do in the company is I'm the art director, but being a small startup studio kind of thing i mean you just do everything right so i was just doing sort of the law stuff i helped invent the concept behind the dyson sphere thing like the setting for the game and the, like designed one of the factions i was doing models for it and then art direction stuff you know it's just all sorts of things you do in small companies Right, you just take all the hats and you put them in a huge pile in your head, and you wear all the hats <laughs> at once, and yep. then it's great, yep. you know. Um, so that's kind of what my involvement is. I just make things go on time and on budget.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trademark, <laughs> yeah, special skill that
2: much. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, somebody's got to do it, yeah.
4: <laughs> so, so what inspired you? It sounds like the the main inspiration, if, if I'm understanding correctly, the main inspiration was this game is old and we want a new one and they're not making a new one so let's do it ourselves. Is that kind of where what drive drove you to... Yeah, games?
2: so it, it's, it, it's like you know, every game everything, right, eventually ends, right? Yeah. And the way to stop things from ending is to make new things yes. constantly, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know, sooner or later, you know, the community, it's going to sort of have a bad time or like it's going to very slowly fade away. And we just thought, you know, it deserves a bit more than that. Right. And um, there's a lot of things that could be better about things, right? So like spiritual successes, you know, or just not even any spiritual successes, but whenever you make anything, it's inside a context. isn't it? Um, So it's all about knowing, your inheritance, that's a phrase I'm stealing off someone else that's clever, but I don't know who it was, but <laughs> there we go. Um, so, and it's about knowing what what context you're operating, like which is an RTS, where mm-hmm. a game, right? Is it, is it a specific type of game and so on? And is it sci-fi? And all of those things, they kind of inform what you're uh, working in, and there are kind of assumptions that are just built up over the course of thousands of titles and so on. And you want to challenge some of those assumptions. You want to take some of those assumptions for granted because they give you shortcuts. You know, if everybody moves with W, A, S, and D, that's actually a pretty good default thing to have because you don't need to explain it. But Mm. then maybe you want to have a special control system which does something totally different, right? Mm. Um, so as with anything, it's all about knowing and being like really aware of the context that you're operating in. So as long as you nail that job done,
0: bang, <laughs> yeah, You <laughs> basically have a game. You're basically done. That's simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> huh.
4: That's, yeah, that, that, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so, so I guess I'm curious what, how you're approaching this, deve- the development of this this game in particular versus like you know a quote unquote original idea. I'm saying quote unquote because our idea is original. That's outside of the scope of this topic. Uh, <laughs> so I'm yeah I'm curious how you're approaching uh, this the development process of this game because like you have an established game that you're taking inspiration from um, and it, you know specifically the way you're describing it even uh, you're making it for a fan base. Yeah. Um and so they'll have their own opinions and ideas um on what that this this new game will look like if it's supposed to be effectively the same as the previous or similar to the previous. Um so I'm curious how you're approaching that like yeah. how you're
2: Yeah, so yeah. I, it it's a question of um knowing your audience and knowing exactly what it is you're trying to deliver and just being really clear on that to okay. both yourself and to everybody else, right? So um Every game is great in its own way, but it's also got its own problems and things like that. And you just want to like not like to, it's, all, it's also a challenge to not take too much, right? To not mm-hmm. be inspired too much just because we love this thing so much. We mm-hmm. actually want to go back to the drawing board in a sense and just recreate this thing from first principles. Mm-hmm. So for example, in Spring Commander, what people value is the fact that it's not a game which you require 400 APM to play, yeah. right? You can actually be pretty casual. So one of the top players for many years had 20 actions per minute. I think that guy was just like super chilled out and stuff, and he was like <laughs> top five or whatever, right? Wow, okay. So like that's not, it's just a different type of game and you kind of need to like recognize all these like little moment to moment and all these sort of experiences that different people have. And then you need to recreate what it is those players would want. And because you understand them, you end up recreating a very similar like the game with similarities to your spiritual successor. And that's why it's called that. But really like the way I think of it is we're making a totally new game, mm-hmm. which just happens to be similar to this old game that we really love. But actually yeah. we did challenge, we did go through all these things and we just make sure that we're not just copying it for the sake of copying it. We're copying yeah. it for a specific reason and things that don't have a reason, they don't end up in the product because right, right. as with any design, like every moving part has a burden on it, yeah. impose it imposes a burden on the end product. So you kind of wanna you take the minimum amount of parts, put it all together, and then that is what people sometimes refer to as elegance.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's interesting that you talk about the the that actions per minute feeling. Like you you want players to be able to play in that style because that's what you are inspired by in the previous game, but you're not saying that you that does not define what any of the mechanics or features or control schemes are and so like you say so it's not really that much different than like a designer coming up from scratch and just having a couple design principles that they stick to it's just that where you get those principles from is a mix of your your own um, uh, uh, like original notions and pulled from the preferences and desires of the community which you are a part of so they're yours also mm. so it's in the end it i mean i guess maybe does it sometimes feel when you're working on it that it's almost like um it's disparaging almost to call it a, a a spiritual successor or a copy or something like that because it doesn't really feel like that or or does it really does it sometimes feel very much like you have that that original inspiration in mind a lot
2: um i don't feel disparaged by much in general <laughs> so i can call it whatever right yeah. um but you know, it, I think to me, the way I think about it is we're just making something that's really good that just happens to be like this other thing. Yeah. You know, if we're going to reinvent the wheel, it's going to be round. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, you know, I don't, you know, as uh, Friedrich Nietzsche would say, shame is the worst of human qualities. So, I don't intend <laughs> to feel any of that, right? But, you know, reinventing the wheel is a totally fine thing to do and... Um, if we end up with a game that is very similar to another game, then all the better we get a community that's uh, already familiar with what to expect and things like that and it 's in a sense it 's a much easier problem in one way anyway, because you have this thing which worked, and then you just need to you can use it as a reference you can see, oh, this bit works, this bit doesn 't work this bit and so on and there 's this whole player base who you can ask about it right mm-hmm, and right. interact with and like just get all the information about how they interact with the game and all that stuff. So, for example, one funny thing about Supreme Commander is that the most played maps are the lowest quality maps. Like, that's not something you would, that's very surprising. So, the most, like, what the most played map in the entire community in FAF, right, is a map called, heaven forbid, Astro Crater, which is, like made probably in about five minutes, right? Like mm. the guy just took the map editor, he put like the C, he put like the round brush, like bang, drew a line between them, done. Whee, <laughs> that, that's like that is the most popular map, bar none, because if you actually look at the top rated maps, the it takes like four of the top 10 spots because there's copies of it obviously, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah. It, it's not even like, there's no competition, right? Um. And that's really interesting because you'd, uh, you'd think, oh, you know, it's about this map fine crafting. But actually, no, it, like, that's not what it's about. Like, and that's not as a developer something that you might easily predict that, oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. make this game. It's going to have all these beautiful maps. And then people are just going to throw all that in the bin and they'll just want to, like, watch <laughs> big explosions on this rubbish, like, thing, right? Yeah. Um, Those are my people. But, you know, the most. <laughs> Yeah, like, they just, like, the most, like, popular game mode for the game is you just sit in your base for an hour and you build stuff, and then, like, whoever builds the biggest nuke wins, uh, 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 like, eventually, but it's not even about that, it's just sitting there (laughs) and building things, you know? Ellen is so happy about this. (laughs) That's actually how most people play the game. Yeah, we. We just have access to this, all these stats, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was kind of involved in the community. Like, I joined that 10 years ago. I was a moderator on there, as an admin on there. Like, I, I, I got all the secrets, right? I got all the dirt on everybody. So, um, <laughs> but like, all these statistics, we, we have that and we have those statistics before we even started our own games. So yeah. We wow. kind of know a lot of these things in advance. And that's kind of actually a pretty big information advantage where, you can you can just almost test things on the old game and then just see if they work on the new one before you even have the new one made
1: huh yeah it's awesome yeah it, it almost it, the the original title becomes something of a prototype for you for you okay. in a fun way
4: that's fascinating too because like yeah. i i you when you're making a game that uh you know is inspired by like a roguelike for instance people will you know go back to previous roguelikes and test those games and see what worked and what didn't um and they have their own established communities and stuff but oftentimes the uh your inspiration you're trying to take it in a completely different direction and this game you're not necess- you, you know you're you're adding your own spin to it but it's a lot of it is based around that previous game so you can use it as a prototype like mark said um but you also have that established community that helps you build the game in a way that is so valuable <laughs> I keep, I, I'm listening to all these things. I'm like, oh, you're I teetering wish. over into jealousy. I yeah,
3: a little bit. Like-
4: a <laughs> little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so that's really cool that like, you know, in the, and it sounds like this community is really supporting you in this development process um, in ways that um, a lot of people can't say that they have.
1: Well, that's the next topic, right? It yeah. Is like, it, it, you're all in it together, the developers of, the, of your title and the community from the old title and now the new. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's a whole dimension. You're going to have people who are excited about your decisions and people who aren't. So how because you say you put on a lot of hats uh, and you've managed these communities before. What is that like dealing with an audience with those expectations? And when when can you say, hey, trust us or, hey, we need your feedback. And, you know, and are people good at knowing the difference Mm -hmm. when you interact with the community that way?
2: Hmm. well well uh, feedback is a funny one so this is like a thing that i would say generalizes to all art which is some people have feedback skills and some people don't mm-hmm. and it's up to the artist it's up to the creator to know what feedback is and how to take feedback and yeah. what information there is so it's like as always, I think the same approach applies here. You have a bunch of people who are passionate about this thing because in a way, your their dreams are being fulfilled by you. So, you've got high expectations, pressures on, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, and they're going to give you their thoughts and it's up to you to work out how much value those thoughts carry and what information to come out of it. It's It's exactly the same thing i'd say except you're just getting feedback from a whole pile of people rather than two or three yeah um so there's like the scale of it is actually pretty good because you can get feedback from really high level players and people who are like rare but because there's so many people you get those people out and if you're in touch with the community and stuff you can get those guys to actually uh, give you that information and some of it could be stuff that you never have thought of and uh, we got a couple of things like that out of the community so far right oh, so cool. you know it it's you know when you have an existing player base almost right existing um, <laughs> <laughs> well you know um and um, then you kind of want to look after them and you know they're invested in you you're invested in them and it's sort of like for a, Especially for the Subcom, there was a lot of people asking when is there a Subcom 3, when is there like a new thing? And, you know, when Planetary Annihilation came out, people were massively excited over that kind of stuff. So uh, that was 2013. So, you know, we can do it like around three now. Um, <laughs> so um, it, it's about sort of fulfilling that dream for everybody, right? Yep. And so people get really serious about that stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it, it as with all art, you know, to me, this game is also a piece of art. It's not just a product, it's actually like a fine crafted piece, you know, with all the love and affection that it deserves, right? So it, that needs the best of attention and it's up to, well, us. To make sure that we take in all the information we can get from the community, all the feedback, and appropriate that in a way that actually, like, it's not just about just doing everything that you're told, right? right? It's about, like, being selective about it and making a fine, the designed, crafted piece that is greater than the sum of its parts, hopefully. Right,
3: right.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear, because I can imagine uh, a dev team that would more easily toe to the the whims of the commun- of a community as as passionate as you're describing um <laughs> uh, supreme commander fans
1: well steven i think the, the thing that i realized uh, Bret, in your answer is that because uh, i'm coming from a perspective of a developer who is annoyed by gamers all the time <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's like yeah. that's my personality mm-hmm. and so that's my personality <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but, and that comes from the things that like developers making a piece of art do not have the same goals yeah. as someone who wants to consume it or experience it. Sure. Even when they agree on a lot of things, it is definitely a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. But what occurred to me is that because I was like, you know, how do you handle th- that community that has m- many more demands because they feel closer to it, they feel closer to you because you came from that community. But I'm like, oh, actually, it answers itself. Mm-hmm. It's you actually are more in line with the with the the. I mean, maybe not specifically, you know, down to the individual piece, but you are already part of that community. And mm-hmm. so you're already simpatico on a lot of things. Huh. So I would suspect, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, if there's special mm-hmm. effort needed, but it feels like it's maybe a little bit easier, that relationship. and and Yeah, I would say it's easier. But,
2: um, yeah, I think it's easier rather than harder, as long as you don't do like. Bad business practices like being (laughs) dishonest and all that crazy stuff that people sometimes do. Mm -hmm. Just be like a decent human being, and then everything will be fine, pretty much. Because essentially, where like you're granting the dream of that community, which is that they want more of that experience, right? Like, games are machines human experience at the end of the day like the player plays and they feel a feel right Mm -hmm. like that that is what that is what the end result is and like you do it through code and that's pretty crazy right like Mm -hmm. you write some code and you make some person feel a feeling at the end of that process (laughs) right yeah um and so we like coming from that community there's a bunch of people who want to feel a feel in a specific way so Mm -hmm. that is like you need to know what that is and you need to know all about that. And then you need to do that thing because that is what you want, right? Um And, that, and then that happens to be also what the community wants. So it, I think it's easier in a sense because those people already are familiar with what you're trying to do. If you're mm-hmm. trying to make a game that's never been done before, then they don't know what it is that you, what it is that they're gonna feel, right? They can only right. guess, whereas yeah. here it's like, oh, it's gonna be like that other thing. Yeah, that's great count me in, right?
1: Right, and that gamer who doesn't know what the game they're excited about is going, is is intended to make them feel might, in the meantime, develop their own ideas on what it should be right. because humans are creative people regardless if you're professionally creative or not, mm-hmm. and you can't blame them and then you have that mismatch, yeah. and so you're, so you're spared of that, which is, that that's fantastic. Mm. And then you have a bunch of people rooting for you because they see themselves in you and you see themselves in them, and very yeah. kumbaya, like, hands around the world, it's great, I love it
2: yeah the key is to get the core down right because it's something where if you're saying it's a spiritual success you actually need to know what makes one like it needs to have the like each game has a gameplay loop like the thing that you're in there from moment to moment experience or whatever it is that you uh, game people call them. But what do I know about games, right? <laughs> I
3: think um, you nailed it. Yeah.
2: But it's that it's that moment to moment experience which needs to have enough similarity in the new game compared to the old game so that when players switch to the old one to the new one, they can actually link the two together and say, ah, these are two parts of a bigger pattern, right? And then Mm -hmm. that is where they feel the familiarity and that's where they feel that their promise has been fulfilled. That is the promise that you're making, like a social promise. (laughs) You're making that we're going to take this experience and we're going to put it in there and then there might be whatever else in the periphery of that, but the core is essentially very similar.
1: Yeah, it, what it it what it doesn't that close relationship what it doesn't free you from is the burden of actually fulfilling those promises, fulfilling those hopes yeah. and making a good game. Right. It doesn't make it any easier to have actually produce. It just might make some parts of the the uh extra development process a little bit uh different or more uh more friendly.
0: Maybe a little clearer. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I guess then the next category of of questions for you is about and you you referred to this earlier is, is those little differences. Like mm-hmm. when do you pull forward a lot of the actual specific mechanics and when do you innovate and uh you know how you make those decisions um and uh you know if any examples you can share would be really great
2: yeah so i would say it's all about like a good thing is usually about one thing right (laughs) like you know you know, ideas which have many ideas are bundled together. They kind of become muddled. But when you just have one idea, it's usually a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. And then you just make everything about that thing. Um yeah. So, you're not actually distracted. So, it, it comes down to this core. So, we, we have to identify the core in order to have a valid spiritual success, which delivers on the promise of the moment-to-moment experience. And then once you've defined that, you really just need to know what that experience is once you know that you just make everything about that so yeah. the decision tree if you will is just like what enhances the core experience if it doesn't right. enhance the core experience why is it there maybe there's another reason like the publisher's making you do it or whatever <laughs> right but yeah. uh, but you want to ask that question and if it does not enhance the a core experience. Why isn't it there? And the answer is we don't have the time or money for it. <laughs> right. Um, but so, so that's how, like, uh, that's at least how I think about this. It's what is the minimum amount of things that you can have to have this core experience and then everything else should intensify that so that the whole is greater than some of its parts. And some people refer to this as design. Um, <laughs> some people. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, right? Stephen, you talk about design pillars a lot. Yes. And yeah, that, It sounds very familiar. And that's not different from any other kind of game development. Yep. Uh, it's fascinating because, you know, uh, the, the, like games that grow out of a mod scene all very frequently are defined by being very different from the game that they came out yeah. of. Yeah. So it's interesting that, that, you, um, that, that you circle around that same core message about just what makes a good game, what makes a good design process. And it applies here just as well.
2: Yeah, well, you know what did I learn at architecture school is that design can is a general solving problem solving process so yeah. that you can make it solve any problem and that means it works fine for game design too apparently <laughs> or at least I haven't been fired yet so who knows. <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs>
1: So, Ellen, um, normally Stephen is the one who figures out what we're going to talk about in the middle of the show.
0: He's not at the table, though.
1: He stepped out for some reason. Go crazy! And so I'm lost. I don't know what to do. What should we talk about?
0: Take responsibility and throw it out the window. Let's talk about bread.
1: You mean our guest today?
0: No, let's talk about what we've been talking about occasionally on our Nice Games Club Discord channel.
1: Our Nice Games Club Discord channel.
0: We have a Discord channel. It's about Nice Games Club, and people who listen to Nice Games Club come on and talk about. Well, sometimes we talk about games, but oftentimes in the last few weeks we've been talking about. Yeah, I haven't seen
1: anyone talk about the show in a while.
0: You know, we've talked about. Well, this is my fault. We keep talking about tomatoes because yes. I keep finding giant tomatoes and I keep buying them and then I keep taking pictures of them and putting it in the Discord. And I'm not sorry. I'm not. <laughs> But there was also a whole conversation we had a few weeks ago about like people's favorite types of bread. And we actually have a really cool super fan um, whose username is Bread Zealot. So like lots of bread going on today. I feel like it's a convergence of bread related names and topics and names. I hope this is convincing you, listener, to come to the Discord. If you want that in your life. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Visit us. This
0: visit us where?
1: Uh, NiceGames.club slash Discord.
0: Wait, do it again? One more time? Sure.
1: NiceGames.club slash Discord.
0: I'm not sure we should do this without Stephen again.
1: (laughs) It didn't go well.
0: No.
2: Well, I mean, yeah. Let's just let's just go to the controversial stuff. So, right. Subcom fans, go. beware! Right, <laughs> um, this is what. So, they did in it the original game, there's this phenomenon where you have these like little resource points, and you have two resources in the game, and one of the resources is called mass, and you have these little mines called mass extractors, and what they do is they extract the mass. Mm. That's great. And then each one of those has a little bit of energy upkeep because I don't know, maybe that's what minds do that maybe they need some energy upkeep, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and tracking so far. <laughs> so what's a funny consequence of that is that in Supreme Commander, when you do that, the economy its like a moment to moment economy. So it it's not you spend things per second. You don't spend them once at the start, like you might do in uh, some titles like StarCraft, I think. I mean, I don't play StarCraft, so what do I do? Uh, but like, I think you can't just order like more things than you have money for. You actually have to save up for the minerals or whatever. Yeah, and then you click yeah. And then they go away, right? Mm-hmm. So Sumcom isn't like that. You can just order th- more things and what happens is they, Are built at a certain speed. And when you run out of resources, you you, you, like everything slows down. Mm. So, what happens when you run out of energy is your mass extractors slow down because they consume energy. Right. And that is a consequence of the fact that somebody added energy consumption to them and what that means is if you stall energy then your mass consumption goes down and there's some really interesting consequences to that but basically it means you're in a really bad time you're having a really bad time mm. it's like you don't have energy because then you, you don't have mass and then you can't build tanks and then you can't build power stations either because they require mass to build oh. to get you energy so it's like a vicious cycle right mm-hmm. um so what you can do is you can just have the mass extractors have zero energy upkeep so that when you have run out of energy, you don't run out of mass. It doesn't actually affect your mass income. And that's actually a decision that we made. We said, um, actually, there's plenty of ways to have a bad time in a game without (laughs) this mechanic. (laughs) Right. Importantly, you're uh, not removing
1: bad times (laughs) from the game. We don't want that. Right.
2: Yeah. Well... (laughs) Yeah. So, and and the reason for this is, is that the players who tend to have this mistake the most are the new players right, because yeah. they don't know anything about this resource management thing and they don't do their little budget spreadsheets or whatever. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know who does them, but surely somebody does them. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. And it, they get caught by that very often, so it's it's actually like a typical tutorial thing in Subcom where it's like, Oh, you must never stall energy and you have to do this and this bar has to be empty and this bar has to be full and all of that complication and learning curve is a consequence of this one simple decision that the design uh, the the original designers made sometime in two thousand and four, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know exactly why they did it. But that is like all of a consequence of very kind of a small thing. And then this whole gameplay strategy thing arose out of that. And it's actually a very deep and, um, meaningful, like change to the game. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's, it's like a very small decision that, you, you know, it's like a very large decision from a very small change.
3: Yeah right
2: right so that's one example and some people are going to be super mad that we (laughs) did this that we're dumbing down the game or we're doing all that other stuff
4: well i mean to (laughs) me it just sounds like you're making the game more approachable for a wider audience because the way you're describing it uh, experienced players don't really get tripped up by this thing anymore after they've gone through it it's the newer players who aren't Used to having to balance all of these numbers and stuff while they're, you know, moving their units around. Or I don't play real time yeah. strategy games very much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I, it's those newer players that are going to benefit from that change, I think, the most. And I imagine yeah. the, the more experienced players probably won't even notice that much of a change. I, 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 what bring what comes to mind with that kind of thing is like the community's, you know, built like there's a little bit of like, Trauma, I guess, shared trauma amongst the community (laughs) (laughs) with respect to that. And so they probably think of it as more important than it might, than it sounds like it is. Yeah. You
1: might not, this is a very American reference, but it's a little bit like uh, uh, a student debt uh, relief. (laughs) yeah i I had to go through this trouble why why did these these younger people have yeah
0: Yeah. maybe i mean like
2: i mean there's there's kind of nuances there because Mm -hmm. like let's say you're a strategic person you might choose to destroy the enemy's power grid because then you know that as a consequence they're going to have a bad time right right? okay so the the thing is with that is actually that is a um like actually two things happen there. One, you destroy their power grid and two, you, cr- you trigger this mechanic, mm. right? However, those are actually two separate things mm. and you yeah. can deal with them separately. And that's what the confusion is about. So mm-hmm. what people will say, and we, I, I've actually heard this before, is that, oh no, you're dumbing down the game because you're removing this interaction where you can punish the enemy player by making this strategic decision to destroy their power grid in like some sneaky way. Um And actually, that's not quite true because what you can do is you can make the power grid separately easier to destroy to like equal to like restore the amount of bad times. to players' experiences to the same level that it was previously. So you can still make that tactic as viable as it was before by, like, fiddling with the HP and the power generators and how much they cost and all that other stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. you have all these other variables under Mm -hmm. your control to restore that, but you can get rid of this one specific mechanic. So because we just have so much, like, it's a whole, like, simulated universe, right? Mm -hmm. Like, every game is essentially a mini-universe, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there has to be a kind of input Simulation and an output, and the output is usually on the screen, and mm-hmm. it's great, you know? Yeah. Um, so, we can actually control the whole rules of the simulation. So, because of that, we can single out this mechanic thing, we can make it easier for the new players, but we can still maintain all of that depth that the experienced players want out of being able to cause a bad time for the other person.
0: Yeah. You're, you're experimenting, you're, you're kind of. Tweaking and adjusting the depth of flavor for certain consequences and opportunities, but at the same time, you're making it more intuitive for people who are new to the genre or new to the game. Yeah. That seems like a win-win.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, you're our guest, so we will not mount an argument against this rule chain. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I'll- But. But, for, I mean, for players listening who, yeah. who might not be ta- agreeing with any of these, like, what seems like reasonable reasons for this, mm-hmm. it-, it it goes back to what you were saying about that core experience and it's it you made that change and you said it, may, it had cut very large like objective consequences to how the game is put together but it was in service of that of the core feeling and that is why you made that choice so whether it's whether someone agrees with it or not i think it's very clear your, the The reason you made it, and what's, what drives the decisions you do, yeah, and I think that's what makes it a really great example, mm-hmm. especially after you explained that process of of how you make those decisions and then here's an example of exactly what we did and why we did it that way, because like it might seem to play, well, it changes so much, it makes everything so different, but it actually doesn't because what you're you're not interested in the specifics, you're interested in that core experience right um, and so I think it's even if someone it doesn't agree with that change, I think it's a very interesting lesson about how game design choices are made
3: mm-hmm.
2: hmm. yeah, or oh, cool. we just did it randomly I mean who knows <laughs> <laughs> who knows what the developers are thinking this guy's crazy have you seen that guy's name his name's special bread
0: <laughs> it's just sticking it's on the wall are, throwing darts cut are go cut, easily
4: go. a number of decisions that are made arbitrarily <laughs> versus that are made with serious thought in a lot of games um, we like to think that you know we. Uh, I think Gamers like to think that everything is you know predestined planned out uh minute to minute you know gameplay and stuff, but no we we can't
1: right and and, and <laughs> we're only maybe human. not perfect is something the developer is too dumb to notice, yeah, it's like they notice, but that is the that is a That's result th- of other good decisions, right, and it's something you accept i think yeah. there's a lot this goes back to my whole personality about, <laughs> being known by gamers. yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: yeah that's yeah that's fascinating. I, I appreciate that yeah, answer. Yeah. It could be random too.
1: <laughs> but yes but, I mean truly so random decisions because mm-hmm. when you like those still have their place Yes, in they a very do. thoughtful uh, design because yes. you you test them and you 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 see if they fit with your core feeling even if they were made you know, or they lead you in a different direction, mm-hmm. as long as they feed into your core design, yeah. or tweak it in a way that that inspires you, or that moves you, or that actually makes you change what the core is. You know. Yeah. So randomness is, in terms of decision making, is not a, totally a joke, <laughs> right?
2: I mean, every time tra- no, I mean, uh, I think it's uh, every developer's duty to mix in appropriate amounts of insanity into their product. <laughs> um, so. so So, you know, there's like some like, or rather than insanity, irresponsible decision-making let's call it that. Right. So, So like, you know, you you do this whole thinking about like all of the consequences and you craft the player's experience and it's all like considered and, you know, who knows like how they will do it. So you craft this like multi-pathway because they might play it one way, you might play it another way and you create this toolbox for all these varied experiences and all these ways that you could interact with the game. Yeah. And then on Tuesday, you just go, you know what, I'm just going to... Give it a huge, like, tower thing, and it's going to go that way, and I don't care. Let's just do it, right? And then you go back to this, like, considered design thing again, and then, like, who knows? And then, like, Spresso Fred calls you up again, and he's like, man, you know what I made? I made a nuke which launches six nukes. <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> and it's like, what was that for? I'm like, it looks cool. Like, that. there was no... <laughs> I, want- I want the thing... <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, there's like yeah. no rational reason for that. I, I just felt like I wanted to do that thing. I, I, and so like, that's yeah. actually a big part of the design process too. It's just like, I don't care. I want to do the thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: For a moment there, you were role playing somebody else who was being informed by special bread about the decision. Uh, and for a second, I was like, is there two special breads on this Because <laughs> that would kind of make sense. <laughs>
2: No, I just sometimes pretend I have empathy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I want to ask, um, So th- you know, the game that uh, you're taking inspiration from, you said it came out 2007. So it's 15 years old hmm. at this point. There's a lot of things. Ancient times. Ancient times. Oh, Ancient gosh. Times. Yeah. The before times for sure. Um, Wizards was still real
2: back then. <laughs>
4: <laughs> exactly. So there's a lot of things that, you know, you'd want to update. Uh, I'm curious how you're approaching specifically like modernizing um um like the art um the art and the designs of the game it sounds like you know with with that energy example you brought up that's one um direction you're going in um but i'm curious about like making the game appeal to the 2022 audience
1: right there's one thing to iterate on a design there's another mm. to actually just make it current
4: yes yeah right? exactly because there's games that are coming out i mean now that feel 15 years old (laughs) that are surprising. Yeah. So
2: to me, that's like, that's actually two different things going on there. So there's like game implementation and then there's game design. Yeah. yeah. So like, for example, the energy change, that could have been made in 2007. There's actually no reason why that couldn't have been there. So if there was a, if the developers just released a patch, they could have done that right away. That's not actually time related and like it's separately a. Totally fascinating idea to think that you know game developers haven't been around for very long, mm. like what, like twenty years, really. Like before that, like okay, pack man fine, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't like you, you make like a big career out of game design. But like, imagine if we were as a civilization as experienced at making games as we are at writing books. Like, mm-hmm. we we know a thing or two about writing, but I feel like we really don't know much about game design yet. So imagine like how awesome game will be in like a hundred years time. That would just be totally nuts. Right? Yeah. So, um, I don't even know if there's such a thing as current game design because some of the things, you know, people still play red alert too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, you know that's like old and like hello people have hell, forget about red letter 2 people still play checkers okay? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you know you know that's that's even more old mm. that's like pre 1995 guys you know <laughs> um, <laughs> so so, the, so like some things just don't age as quickly and i think that game design nearly ages way slower than game technology yeah. so those are two right. quite different things so mm-hmm. the question is is well have players have people's like demands changed as a response and they sure have so like people now know that Fortnite exists right like that <laughs> didn't now. you know like that you know that kind of informs you what you want to play if you don't know about Fortnite, you're not going to play Fortnite. Mm. there's different kind of expectations for what you see in games. So there is this thing about design, um, like not design, demand and that how that changes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh my personal philosophy is I'm making a work of art and it's not going to appeal to everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in order to not compromise the work of art, I won't make try to make it appeal to everybody because I'm not making Fortnite anyway. We're making like this very considered Piece that is like about this core gameplay feeling, like moment to moment interaction that we saw in games like Supreme Commander. And that's actually this very specific thing that you kind of need to, it's like. Profound things are hard to describe in words Mm -hmm. because you actually need to experience the thing because that is the experience. Right, Right. yeah. So you say, well, what is it about? It is about that thing, and you need to go there and see it because (laughs) (laughs) describing, if you could describe it in words, the game would be a paragraph.
0: I had the same experience in a game I recently developed. They were like, what is the game? I'm like, Here is the game. (laughs) What is the game? Play the game. Then you'll know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it is about that thing. Um, And it is not about Fortnite. And so Mm -hmm. it's about like just making sure that, you know, how much should you change the game? Well, you should change the game so it is more in service of being about the thing that it is. Um, and then there's all this technology stuff. Well, that's great. Got like piles of tools now. I mean, PBR. Wow. You know, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know, substance painter, I got like a setup where I could texture a model in two minutes. So, that was the time it took me to wait for it to finish baking. And I was just like, bake, 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 bake. <laughs> it was like Fred's bakery. It was great. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, it it was just like, I was just churning them out, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it, and that was just like a technological thing, which just let me like do much more quality or like, oh, hang on, not quality. I don't do that. <laughs> quantity per time, right? Sure, yep. yep. Um, who knows what quality that is, right? Mm. Um, but that's like a technological thing. And if I didn't have the technology, well, I mean, I would have just cried and done it slower, but. It's the same thing in the end, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with that, I mean, there's piles of stuff like PBR is great, you know, like GPUs are great. Multi-threading is great. Multi-threading is super great. And I think that games haven't really gotten into that thing yet. Like quite a lot of games are single-threaded and, you know, because, well, threads are hard, right? Like yeah, that that yeah. requires effort. You know, uh, it's one of my favorite things. Ah, now we must do the plan, brain. What does this plan demand of us, brain? Oh, let me just check in my brain manual. Let me just find the right page. Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go on, do tell, brain. Ah, the plan requires effort. <laughs> effort, <laughs> you say? <laughs> it's a lousy plan. This revelation, <laughs> I find it disgusting. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you know, so some things sometimes require effort. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with less tools, you need more of that. Um, but really, like technology is great because threads require effort. And but now we have like Unity helping out with that thing. And there's like thread scheduling things and so on. And now our game is actually multi-threaded. Mm-hmm. That's great because we have more than one core on our CPUs these days. And that means the game can go faster.
4: Yeah, that's hopefully,
2: cool. unless you get race conditions involved, actually, it's slower. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, those seem difficult, but that's a good point. I think, yeah, a lot of the I guess I do tend to think of some designs as being able to be modernized, um, mm-hmm. or like things that are out of date. Because I think a lot of times, uh, back in the arcade days, you know, you made dis design decisions to get more quarters out of people's pockets. Um, but yeah. now we, I mean, we do that sometimes still too, but, uh, they're not quarters anymore. They're dollars. Um, but, uh, I think that like some games feel like they're, you're playing them on the GameCube or the Xbox when, you know, it came out last year. Um, and so I, I, I tend to attribute it, um, in terms of that way. But like, I, I think you're right in that, like a lot of design decisions that were made back then still hold up now. We still make those kind of decisions now. Um,
1: yeah, I think we you're, you're, can meld the, the, the thoughts of both of you. is, yes. is, is It's contextual, right? Yes, so yeah, yeah. If you, were, you know, if you were to design an arcade game to go into a county fair or, or mm-hmm. a place where arca- an arcade might flourish, yes, you'd use a lot of those same design things for that purpose because it's contextual. Right. It's not that we've innovated past it. It's just that we don't have arcades anymore.
2: Yeah, but, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And so it, so it doesn't really uh, contradict, I think. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, in fact, in fact, this seems to be like a spiritual successor thing. So if you were to remake uh, Pac-Man, right, but on mm-hmm. the PC, you might make a few different design decisions because you're no longer like on a screen with like, you know, like two kilobytes of RAM or whatever.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, like now we got loads. We got like two trilobytes of RAM. So it's like, you know, you just got piles of it so you can make pac-man but like with a much bigger map and you can have god forbid five ghosts right um, <laughs> that's too much ram i think well, that's actually a pretty good example what, two trilobites know. of ram <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think my laptop's compatible with trilobites
1: <laughs> i don't know if this is the example you were thinking of but uh, pac-man championship edition that's right yeah is widely seen as a modernized pac-man that still feels exactly like pac-man mm-hmm. um and so, you're, I mean, that's a perfect example of a, of a way you can do that in, in the sense that it's just in a different context now. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and you do have more resources, and which means you can do things faster or you can do the same things with fewer people. And those are the things you leverage rather than trying to, you know, make the graphics look 2022. Right. Right. Good
2: way what do you mean you, you want you don't you want screen space reflections of pac-man that'll make <laughs> that'll change the game <laughs> that changes it
1: probably pretty cheap in the in the, in the pac-man <laughs> <laughs> actually, ray true. tracing on all <laughs> ray tracing space invaders it's, it's
2: totally doable in an afternoon Ooh, wow yep <laughs> there's your money maker fellas ray traced <laughs> pac-man
4: um <laughs> Oh, that's funny
2: um so
4: okay uh you have an established fan base um and you and you, you're you communicating with them they like the game i assume they like the game they ha- they maybe have some issues with your changes i don't know steven who don't be tell? so suspicious <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're, they're probably cool um maybe half of my personality is not liking gamers either <laughs> uh
1: <laughs>
4: but there's a whole new audience out there that you're trying to reach right that haven't played real-time strategy games oh, uh, What are you yeah, that's a good question. Are you even trying to reach a new audience um, with your game? Or are you just trying to reach out real-time strategy games? Because that's like a defined audience. A bunch of people I know who play real-time strategy games play a lot of different real-time strategy games, and they enjoy them a lot, and so they're willing to try all of the different mm-hmm. ones. Um, but, I mean, myself, real-time strategy games are very daunting to me because there's so many things happening on the screen, and I can't tell what's happening. The <laughs> what.
0: I'm just like thinking of how you were playing Civ and like all the little fiddly bits. It's turn-based.
1: <laughs> I can spend an hour looking at things and right. determine what I want to do. If you choose, you could do one or two actions per minute. Yeah. <laughs> which is not that uncommon in Civilization. <laughs> yes. Fair exactly. enough. All right. Fair enough. Basically, what you're asking yeah. Red to do is sell the game to you.
4: Yeah. Well, you were saying that you know some people were making 20 actions per minute, and that seems a lot smaller than the numbers I had seen in StarCraft uh so
2: is that yeah yeah. well well uh, yeah so like who do we do we want to reach out to other people i would say we want to reach out to everybody who wants to share the core experience with us Sure, right like who wants to appreciate that for what it is like absolutely we want to reach out to those people how i got no idea i'm not a bargaining <laughs> person right but like if that person were to come into contact to the game it would be it would um be a bomb for my soul if they were to appreciate the core experience and they were to see ah this is that thing that makes me happy mm. right yeah um so you know it's for all of those people, I mean who are they? I don't know, but they're out there right, and not right. all of them have played RTS before, but like people want things right, and some of those people are like going to be explosion watchers because that's actually a part of the legacy that we want to do <laughs> that right her like, hand
3: over here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean like it's supreme Clod is like a really funny game it's actually two games in one
3: hmm.
2: like the first game is a two dimensional like it actually is two dimensional okay um like icon mover circle range simulator and it's about like positioning all these circles so that they overlap in the right ways and so on Mm -hmm. and then the other game is like you zoom in and you switch from the two-dimensional circle simulator into the three-dimensional michael bay simulator where like you just (laughs) it's it's like just explosions right and actually that like People think, oh, it's all, about, like, all the pro players, they say, oh, yeah, it's all about this gameplay stuff. But actually, like, most of the community, like, 50 to 70%, I looked up the stats, right? Like, play <laughs> single player and they watch explosions. Mm, yep, yep. That's, that's a pretty big part of the game. So, so like, one thing is, is that actually, you know, what is the core experience? And there are several of those. They're kind of, like a little bit of a like a, a family of experiences of this right? In our case. Anyway. And what you can do is you can actually do this thing called game modes and it like Faf does it a lot. And that's one of the things that we're choosing to inherit, which is Actually, you can just mess with the settings in the game, right? You can just switch the map, right? That's changing the settings in the game. That mm. changes your experience because if you pick a tiny map, then you're a professional kind of competitive person who wants to do a lot of the range circle thing. But if you pick the one of the good, uh, good heavens Astro Crater maps, right, then <laughs> you're a person who wants to watch explosions happen, right? And that's totally fine. And all you've done is you've just taken the same game, but you changed the map. Yeah. And that actually changes your gameplay experience quite a lot. So um, RTS in general have scope to do that. They mm-hmm. can have like various mods. There's that's a bunch of like, I heard Dota was a mod, right? Like, right, right, yeah. who knows? Like, you know, you could change the whole game if you wanted to. Um, and there's still a little bit of that core experience left over in uh, the MOBA because you sort of have a bit of a top-down thing and you just want to watch the one the dude like go around and smack people right yeah um and so you know you don't actually like the way i think is we're gonna have a a few people that are coming together from slightly different places because each one of those is uh looking for a different member of that family of experiences that i'm bundling together into the core experience Mm. Because those things, like, just because it's a single idea, I guess ideas have this, like, fractal recursion kind of thing going on where you, like, dig into it and there's, like, more details and sub-ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. And so on.
4: So it really just sounds like there's a lot of things that can appeal to somebody outside of the fact that this is a real-time strategy game. uh, Because there are a lot of explosions. So, Ellen, maybe this is the game for you and not to... I was
0: going to say, you don't need to tell us this even, I'm already in. (laughs)
4: I'm sure there's way more explosions per minute in that game than in Civ.
0: Yeah, that's probably why I didn't like Civ.
2: Yeah. <laughs> He's more nukes. Especially as you if you fast forward the game. Yeah. You just crank up the time simulation time speed, then uh you get more explosions per minute. Ah
0: There it is. Noted, write it down. <laughs> cheat codes. <laughs>
2: oh, that's wonderful. I love that.
4: Show ha- um, have you been able to get in contact with the the developers of Supreme Commander? Like, are they interested in your game at all? Yes. Oh, fascinating.
2: Yes. So, actually, uh, history time uh, is story time. <laughs> even better than history time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the reason this company exists is because we had a bunch of interviews just as members of the community with the original developers of the game. Mm-hmm. So, Don't know if you guys heard of Chris Taylor. Uh Uh, I have not, but we're gonna look that up. Yeah, so he's uh the creator of Supreme Commander, he's the creator of Total Annihilation, he's like the big name in RTS, whatever, right? Um and like we had an interview with him and like or, or like not me, but the founder, right? And he just said you know, so what about Spooky Commander 3? And then, you know, all the other questions just got dumped into the bin. Like, they just talked <laughs> about that for three hours, right? <laughs> um, and then there was just a series of interviews, and, like, each of the developers talked about how they would modernize this game. And actually, this whole idea, like, it started seeming a lot more real after we talked to the actual engineers and the producers and the lead designers and the everything. Right. Um, of the original games, so yes, we absolutely do have contact, and yeah, so we have a fifteen-minute interview with the original designer of Supreme Commander One, talking about our game mm. and like how he's amazed by it. Wow. Oh,
0: that's awesome!
2: And he's the guy who said it would be fair to say that this is a spiritual successor to the games we made. Oh, that's f- so that's
0: freaking amazing! Yeah,
2: that, not us. <laughs> yeah, right. That—that's yeah. what I meant when I said that I didn't say it. Yeah. He
0: did the, the most qualified so, person to say it said it. Yeah.
1: This might be our only interview where we start off with a mystery and then solve it at the very end. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <Most>, great. <laughs> most of our mysteries don't get solved. That's true. <laughs> it's usually game design yeah. hard, yo. And that's kind of where we, where we usually <laughs> cap it off. Yeah.
4: That's I, that's wonderful. I'm glad. Um, I, we'll have a link um, in, the, in our show notes um, uh, so that uh, listeners can um, watch the interview.
2: That's great. Yeah. Um, and basically essentially we just, um, like he, he, um, was in contact with us for a while, Mm -hmm. like throughout the development process. So he kicked it off in a sense, like the, the original developers kicked it off. And, um, you know, after we showed them what we got, like our progress, you know, there was, I don't know if he, um. I think he did. Like this is my proudest moment. He showed some work that me and the art team made, and uh, he wiped a tear off his eyes. So, oh, really?
4: that's beautiful,
2: man. You know, so, you know it's, um, it's interesting. I'm
1: thinking about being in your position. That's such a, a, an honor to be like to have that validation. But in in their position, it must also be just incredible to see hmm. people inspired to make something that is the next iterative process of what they had put together. Yeah.
0: I mean it mattered it mattered enough to you and the rest of the community to go out and build the next thing. Like that's that's the kind of impact that you know any artist is going to want to see and have and few probably achieve.
2: You know, when we started this we were like six people now we're like 20 people so that like people actually decided to pay us money to make this game it's totally nuts like i'm not sure i'd have done that but they did
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's never believable
2: (laughs) yeah
0: nope (gasps) that's our show for show notes and links to the things we just talked about go to our website nicegames.club visit us on twitter at nicegamesclub where Dale tweets about game dev resources and a Calamaria fight. We like hearing from you, so tweet back or email us. Contact at NiceGames.Club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff. Sign up at Patreon.com NiceGamesClub. And if you want to keep things more casual, stop by NiceGames.Club Discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be looking at translating other media into games and writing a games journal. These preview sentences are getting kind of long. <laughs> But that's it for this week. So until we
1: start again, remember to play nice and make nice.